Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 261, What's True Must Always Be True, with Rasmik Sarsian. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So if you listened last week, you may know that I was a guest on Rosmic Sarsian's podcast, um, Brand New Thought, and I shared that episode here because I just thought it was a really great conversation. Um, and then after that conversation, I really wanted to talk with him. Some stuff came up when he and I spoke about where, because I was the guest, we didn't go into it too much, um, that I was so intrigued about. Rosmic um, lives in Armenia. He has seen so much. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we have a lot in common. And his he has a real uh, pointed desire to know like what's behind things, what's true. And he shares in this conversation how so much of what he's seen, he's really taken to task. He's really said like. If something's true, it needs to be true across the board. Now, Rosmic lives in Armenia, where he says it's never a dull day. I am pretty ignorant about what happens in Armenia. And he says that many people are in the world, you know, but there's so much going on that most people have no clue about and that many, many people are living in the middle of revolutions and wars and just all kinds of stuff all the time, never a dull day. And Rosmick really looked at this understanding of the principles or whatever it is that we want to call it and said, hey, if there's something that's true here, if we are completely resilient without limitation, if we are made of health, if if all is well all the time and we can only think that it isn't, if, if these things that we look at and point to and talk about are true, they have to be always true. They have to always be, even be true in the middle of a war. They have to be true when you're sitting in the lap of luxury and they have to be true when you're on the streets. Like they have to be true when you're physically safe and when you're not physically safe. And I just love that level of, I really admire it, like that level of inquiry and and holding a really high bar and just being so curious about what's what. So I love this conversation with Rosmic. We talked about a lot of that. Um, we also just talked about his past and um, his spiritual seeking, and he spent a lot of years and still continues to be a pretty serious meditator and, um, you know, like what the value is in some of these practices and how easy it is to lose lose the point for the form, you know, to focus on the meditation or the technique, whatever it might be, and really kind of lose the point. So I just think Rosmic's a great guy. I think if you're looking for a coach and especially – if you're in a situation, you know, where you're like, no, this isn't true here, or I'm different, or I can't see this because of where I live or who I am or the circumstances of my life, he knows that's not the case. <laughs> so he's the guy to talk to uh, if you're in that situation. So I'll share his um, his website here in the show notes. It's just brandnewthought.com is where his podcast is. 
um, and I believe that's his, his website as well. And you can see a lot more about him. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rosmic. Hey, Rosmic, thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Uh, it's, it's my honor to be here. Amy, you're a huge source of inspiration for me. And uh, I've been listening to your materials for so many years. I, I, I love being here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was happy to see um, when we first connected a few months ago that you had done uh, the the coaching self-study a while back, I think. It's been a little while. So, and then I had to kind of stalk you a little bit and find out more about you. So, um, so I know a little bit about you, but maybe for the audience listening, just say a little about who you are, where you live, like what, what your coaching uh, business looks like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you're right. Back in the days, there weren't so many materials uh, inspired from the three principles and, uh, or at least they weren't as accessible. So I actually found your materials perfect guidance to kind of get into the world of coaching with the understanding of the three principles. So um, I'm, I'm based in Armenia, so Eastern Europe. And um, I came, I've been a personal development junkie. So I've experimented and studied a lot of different kind of approaches and disciplines, meditation types, uh, pranayama, you name it. And um, they've all been helpful. And I loved all of them. I still use so many of these techniques and paradigms of understanding. Uh, but when I came across the three principles understanding, I, for whatever reason, I maybe I was in some sort of a receptive uh, mood at that point. I was a student. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. And um, I start. I just started sharing it. I, I just could see how it was impacting my life, my relationships, how I was dealing with my addictions, everything. Uh, and then just organically, I think it just, uh, I felt that I wanted to move more and more into it. And I just started sharing it first through informally, just through conversations and then by blogging and then finally establishing a coaching practice and kind of uh, formalizing it a little bit further. Yeah, that's great. So, so do you work one-on-one with individuals now or who, who do you mostly work with? Yeah, that's a good, it's mostly one-on-one, although I work with groups as well. Um, In terms, it's, it's interesting. I find myself sharing things on topics that I myself have been on a learning curve about. And that's how my community uh, came for it. Um, a lot of it is about resilience, uncertainty, dealing with anxiety and stress. Uh, Armenia, not so many people know about it, but we have gone through so much for the last 40, 50 years. And this region, generally speaking, I mean, there's never a boring day here. It's just wars, revolutions, counter-revolutions. And so at some point, one thing that I noticed is actually in this industry of personal development, let's call it, at least in our region, there was this perception that so many of the techniques shared or buzz topics discussed were primarily for a Western audience or a North American audience. And I, and I really didn't like that. Uh, I, there's this quote by Terrence McKenna. He says, the difference between truth and bullshit is that you have to believe in bullshit for that to be true, but truth, truth doesn't care. And, I, when I came across the understanding of the principles, I, I felt the power of it. I felt the truth of it. And then I had many occasions to kind of test it. And, and I was always thinking, well, if this is true, it has to be true always in times of war, in times of great adversity. And uh, so somehow all, all, all this uncertainty, all this adversity that I've been witnessing in our region, in other contexts, it kind of um, just seeing that truth can pass the test of that as well, gave me a little bit more confidence in terms of sharing it. So uh, I tend to speak about things that I feel like my most immediate environment would resonate with, but 
at the end of the day, it's really, um, I, I sometimes speak about it as the physics principle, a physics approach, you boil things down to the most fundamental things that you can imagine and then reason up from there. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah, yeah. no, I love that. And it, and it really does. I mean, I think what you said about if it's true, it has to be always true. And that's so hard for our mind to see because there's a difference, a huge difference between something always being true and us always feeling it or seeing that it's true or, you know, that's, those are all the little ways the mind I think comes in and says, yeah, but uh, I don't, I don't feel it here or it doesn't resonate here or whatever. And and the, that's slightly different than saying, I mean, or maybe it's majorly different than saying it's not true here. So I love just the way that you kind of break that down. And, and so, so as you were sort of exploring that, the tr- what is the essence and the truth here? Um, I mean, if you could kind of put words to it, which I know is hard to do, like what is the thing that you've that you have found that is true, whether you're in war or sitting on your couch with all the luxuries? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. It's really hard to kind of describe it with language, with forms. And even the oldest forms of spiritual spiritual books like Tao Te Ching kind of starts with the saying the doubt that can be named is not the true doubt. So we are speaking about a level that is truly transcendent. So we're, we're speaking about something that's formless. Uh, so we can, I think we can experience it. We can see the effects of that in our lives, but there's no way to clearly define it. What I've seen that was so helpful for me and uh, is, was that I was fine and that I was always find deep within me but that one was actually kind of tricky so i kind of got into a few let's call them spiritual traps you know in the three principles community we speak about innate health innate well-being and i could i really experienced that for whatever reason it's just i could see that all the mistakes that i thought i had made in the past were not mistakes i was doing the best i could i could see that in terms of other people And I felt a lot of energy. I've almost felt high. And then right there, the first kind of trap that I fell into was that, oh, if this is my source, then I always kind of have to feel that way. But instead, now that I'm looking back at it, it was just really this experience that beyond forms of thought, beyond different experiences, we're all made to thrive. We're all made to go through whatever and experience whatever. So I think that was huge. And in a way, I I had some sort of an understanding for me. What was very helpful for me, I think, was seeing that even in spite of having that, uh, I could create any experience of life that I wanted to or maybe didn't want to, including the experience as if I wasn't made of that. So I could create an experience that I was disconnected. And uh, and I, I always had a kind of an active mind, like a kind of an erratic thinker. And I could, I just could see that, oh my God, all my life, whatever I've been thinking, like there's the thinker in me and then there's the prover in me. Like I could immediately justify what I was thinking by, you know, looking at the external circumstances of where I was, whoever was in, around and, and just seeing that, wow, I'm, I'm the one, I have been the one doing this innocently. It's just, um, it's like, you're still, you're still, you're in a room and the lights go on. And you just see more. You also see the mess that you're doing, but just because you see more, uh, it's you should forgive yourself would, would be one one way of putting it. Uh, and again, these are kind of, I think, implications of that. And I, I like speaking about all of this. But beyond all of that, it was just 
really a feeling of being okay, being safe, knowing that I'll be okay no matter what. Yeah. Do you think that came from, well, I don't know. I'm curious to hear how you would say it, but I, what I'm hearing and what you're saying is sort of this, um, this is very like dualistic just for like illustration, but there, like, like you're saying, there's this constant movie of thought playing and it will always be confirmed by the outside world which is also thought which is also just coming from thought so it'll it's so easy to get completely wrapped up in that and like you said it can be anything we any reality can show up based on where thought goes and then and this is where it gets a little dualistic which isn't exactly accurate but and then there's something else <laughs> then there's like what's real like what's real when we're not thinking so I'm curious for you and having this bigger sense of resilience and kind of knowing, wow, I'm really okay. Um, I think sometimes we have a lot of insights about the nature of thought and then we sort of see, oh, so I, so my mind was creating all that, which sort of backs us into this feeling of, okay, therefore, apparently I've been okay through all of it. I've survived it all. And sometimes, and it's not an either or, but sometimes we really have this big insight about the nature of what there is beyond thought, or we feel like we've seen that. So I don't really have a question in that, but I'm curious what you hear and sort of the those two sides, if that makes sense. No, I, it, it's it's beautiful. And and just something came up for me, and I don't know to what degree this answers your question or comment, but I think for me, one thing was because I had been using a lot of techniques to kind of stop thought or just be present and be in this transcendent stead, uh, state, I think it was very important to know that it's not possible to stop thought, or at least not permanently, nor is it even necessary to do that. So just by being aware of the fact, it's not about what you think, it's the fact that you think, and just seeing that it it can absolutely influence how you see things, and then uh, that's your paradigm of understanding, so all your thoughts and actions are going to come from that. Just being aware of that uh, felt very liberating. And then... Speaking of the feeling okay part, I think I think for me, I got very addicted to this high feeling. I think a lot of a lot of people when coming across this understanding, because it's just so gentle and there's a lot of forgiveness and there's a lot of acceptance, we get so used to it. And it took me a little bit of time to realize that, well, perhaps spiritual maturity uh, or understanding has more to do with how are you really reacting when you're not in this high state? Like, how are you dealing with these low states? How okay is it at the end of the day for you not to be okay? Because it's easy to speak about the positive and just when you're present and all the, the wisdom of the ages is flowing through you. So again, I have no idea if that answers your question, but uh, that that was just a huge part of um, this realization for me. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I agree. I think that's, and that's a spiritual trap that I've fallen into many times of it. it, it it's like our mind will almost mask that from us. Like it, it for me anyway, it, it's, it can take a while to kind of see, oh, that's what's going on here is I was attached to some state that I felt last week or whatever, last month, or when I did that workshop or, you know, something. And, and, and it's like, we can kind of, think and be aware that we're thinking, oh no, I know everything's okay. And I know all states, I know they're all states and I know it's all moving, but it that doesn't mean we're really knowing that all the time in the moment. So I agree with you. I think that 
spiritual maturity is, it is, and this is so hard sometimes, like it's really kind of saying, no, this, however life is showing up, it, it's all, it's all that same perfection. It's all that same life. It just, sometimes it shows up in this mood or that circumstance or whatever. And man, the mind will want to pick one over another and like one better than the other. Yeah. It, and it's so interesting. I think this understanding or kind of sitting with it, it changes. But in my case, it was, it changed my own sensitivity to my own feelings as well. You know, I think once you have that kind of very transcendent and thoughtless experience, it just feels so joyful that if you later with your memory, compare it to how you feel on an everyday basis, for whatever reason, it might feel like, well, I'm actually not doing so well because I'm not feeling, but actually you're feeling the same way as you were maybe months ago. It's just now that you've had this experience, so you're comparing it with it. So it's very interesting how our the relevance of our feelings and our sensitivity to our feelings can just increase automatically uh, based on this. And speaking about just kind of embracing the fact that it is okay even when we're not there. Like I, one thing, what was helpful for me is um, when I was growing up, my 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 father was a doctor, and there were in um, when Soviet Union collapsed, a lot of kind of armed conflict started unfolding uh, in different areas, and one of them was Nagorno-Karabakh. So from 1988 to 1994, there was a huge armed conflict here, and my dad was a doctor there, so I grew up with a lot of um, his friends who were first responders and doctors and military and. I remember as I was as I would ask them about their experiences of uh, how 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 it felt to be in that field and everything, they would just tell me they were okay, and some of them would tell me like, "Oh, I was I was happy." And I, my first reaction was like, "Well, this must be some sort of like a fight or flight thing," or I mean, maybe they were doing some drugs they didn't tell, and, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, because like I couldn't conceptually relate to this idea that it is impossible that it is possible to. I don't know, be quiet or be present or just be okay with all of this. It's just, it's just the most horrible thing that can happen. Um, until in 2020, there was, there was another war here in Armenia. And, and now I was a mature person. So I, 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 I could process all that information. I, I could experience it a lot more. And I experienced something similar. And it wasn't as if you were you were positive or you happy you're, you still feel frustration you feel a lot of pain but weirdly enough it's just like some something else gets activated like underneath that just like you were saying there's this there's this thinking process but there's something underneath that and um like one way i started recently thinking about it as like you know in physics or mathematics you go to uh, smaller and smaller levels like particle levels and it's just more powerful like so it felt like something underneath all of that was kind of activated and there was the presence of that and whatever you were feeling at that moment. And for whatever reason, that thing was making it okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't, it's really hard for me to describe this and it's, uh, yeah, but, uh, and I, I think it's very important for people to know that it's really possible. And I could, I was kind of shying away from speaking about it because like in my mind, I was like, uh, who who the hell am I to speak about me being okay when all of this is happening? And I, I'm not okay. I'm like, have you seen me? But still, I think um, 
just knowing that that thing is still there and it can take million different forms. I mean, one, one, one that I didn't know could exist is how much, how, how much more connected you can feel to people around you when there is like great adversity happening that it's almost like that feeling of oneness is uh, somewhat exacerbated. So uh, yeah, it was, it, it, this was the experience that finally like made me, confident is like there's something here like when we're speaking about the three principles for example although we can transcend that language it doesn't matter uh this is true if this is true here it must be true always um so yeah and i don't know how much <laughs> i could share what i really experienced but it was quite a thing yeah it's so so impossible to put words to that feeling but i feel what you're pointing to for sure i think people are going to feel that for sure like like there's still, there's not a denial of what was happening. And if, if anything, sometimes, and you tell me, but this, my experience is it's like, you're almost more fully present to what's really unfolding in front of you. There's absolutely, it's not a denial. It's not a shielding from it. It's the, it's like full on into it, but I know what you mean, or, or like, I feel like I know what you're pointing to and that something beneath it, like there's just a, amazing capacity for all of it and and for me when I felt that similar it's like what's happening like I'm not there it's not happening to me it's not about me there's just a, almost like a merging with life I don't know if that makes sense yeah. in your experience it absolutely does I think what what was also somewhat helpful let's call it helpful was that it's just like sometimes the absurdity of the external reality could also serve as an occasion for you just for the being to express itself more directly without needing to become thought and be concept because I, I like conceptualizing or I don't know if I like it, but I do it. <laughs> so a thought comes and it keeps on taking a lot of different forms. So sometimes I might just sit with that before that turns into action or before I express it. And, and there's certain wisdom to that, but Sometimes it's just almost, it almost felt, feels like this intermediary thing is just cut. So whatever wisdom there is, it, it has a, a capacity to express itself through us because in a way we are ma made of it. And I'm not speaking like from my, just my personal experience, you know, I could, the, the kind of kind, I could see people being more kind to each other. I could see people almost intuitively reaching out and offering other people things that somehow they could see that they needed it. And it, it could, it felt somewhat magical, like, okay, there's something else here. And like, my hope was like, I want this to, I want the war to stop and to pause, but I want this to stay. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there is something about, um, and not to turn this into a spiritual trap of a thing we need either, but there is something about those environments where we just don't have, like the repetitive me, me, me thinking, it just has to clear out. And of course, you know, we do hear this in all kinds of any kind, anytime there's an emergency or even someone gets bad news or something, you know, it's like for a second, all that just repetitive, monotonous stuff isn't there. And then you're just right there in life, able to be with whatever's showing up. It's very ironic because I, I've had this thought and I talk to a lot of people that have a thought where it's almost like we want all this time and freedom and space and comfort to be able to meditate and explore things. And, and it really can look like that's 
that's what's missing. Like, oh, it's because I'm so busy. I'm always on the go and I have to use my head. People say this to me all the time. I have to use my head for my job. I'm constantly thinking and my job is to assess risk or to crunch numbers or so I'm always in my head and so many different things that look like they are the barrier. And if we only had this beautiful, easy, comfortable space, you know, then we could be there. But then, look, I mean, so many examples of exactly what you're saying, where it's like, no, that could not be, there's no way that's needed. And in fact, who knows? And maybe being in adverse situations is almost more helpful. Yeah, that's that's beautiful what you're pointing to. And I can testify to that as someone who has been a hardcore meditator for years. And I think there's so much misunderstanding about all of this. <clears throat> you know, Sidney Banks used to say, look for a beautiful feeling. Uh, Joseph Campbell would say, follow your bliss. There are all kinds of pointers. So it's at least there's this acknowledgement that it is about the experience. There's It's not just about the conceptualization. And it doesn't quite, like you can try to create ideal conditions for that to happen, but it doesn't quite work that way. I've, I've meditated hundreds of times and sometimes it's very blissful, sometimes it's not. And I've I've been in quite uncomfortable situations and sometimes they... They put me on a great learning curve and I had a beautiful insight that really enhanced my life. And sometimes it didn't. So uh, n- like not to describe any of this as like the solution, but I think it's it's very important, especially now when the world is going through so much, like look at what's happening in Ukraine, in Armenia. There's so much more is happening that nobody's even talking about. But it is important for us to know that this type of adversity can almost well, it's the Buddhist idea that suffering leads to grace, suffering leads to enlightenment. Uh, not that it is necessary, but that in times like this, something else can be activated. And who knows, maybe on a deeper level, this is part of some sort of a transformation that none of us can make sense of. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And to see that whatever is present for anyone in any moment, that can be it for you. Like that's your way in, in a sense, you know? So, I mean, it could be someone sitting at home in chronic pain right now. And of course their mind is saying, oh, I can't, all I can feel is this pain. So there's nothing here for me. And like, no, that pain is your way in. Go into that pain. And I, and of course that's hard and scary and all of that when we're thinking about it. But, but whatever's showing up for you and your experience is something that we get to, like you said, be more sensitive to and just be curious about and inquire into or or if it's war or whatever it is, people going through a divorce or whatever's going on, like maybe whatever's showing up is the thing that's here to pull us through and show us this. That's beautiful. This is actually one of the things that I love most about what you share and how you shared. Actually, our recent conversation on, uh, on Brand New Thought reminded me of this as well. You're right. Like, like I'll give you my own example, like back in the days, and I still sometimes do it. So I create this concept that it is not okay for me to feel this way in this circumstance, whatever it is. And then I feel it and I have whatever thoughts and I feel it and I try to work with that. So, so I created a problem about that on a steeper, subtler level, but now I'm trying to kind of it has already taken four and I'm trying to amend it and change my relationship with it. But on a deeper, more subtle level, I've just, I just thought this thought and I identified with it that it's just not okay. Mm-hmm. And as you're saying, sometimes, if not always, it's exactly the other way around. It's about 
leaning into the feeling and seeing it because it has wisdom. And the beauty of it is that we cannot premeditate what that is. I mean, we could tell stories, uh, but sometimes it's just uh, the only way is through unless you like I've, I've noticed that because I'm quite used to kind of being on a very productive mood or being present, communicating with a lot of people. Sometimes when I'm not in those moods, it's just it almost feels like I'm I want to deny <laughs> that I'm not I'm feeling uncomfortable until and again, there's beauty and wisdom in that too, until that discomfort reaches to such a level that I have no choice than to just say, okay, Rasmic, just sit down. What's what's happening? And uh yeah, funnily enough, ironically enough, that's that's how it disappears or just moves on. I I love the I have to give credit to the name of your podcast, Changeable. It's all changeable. It's it's fluid, it's made of thought and it's fluid. Uh, it's just we we forget it because when we are having a thought at that moment it feels like it's the most important thing in 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 life there there was a famous armenian mystic Gurdjieff who said the only prison you cannot escape is the one you don't see so it's the prison of our own thoughts and in that moment we it's an illusion we, we maybe other people it's easier for other people to see that perhaps that we're in this than ourselves and i think this is exactly the value of what you do what we do and uh, trying to uh, just tap on each other's shoulders and remind us that actually we're fine. <laughs> yes, and such a value of, yeah, of of having some understanding, whether it's the principles or whatever it is that kind of helps make sense of of what we're feeling. You know, I think, and I, I want to ask you about that in a minute, but from meditation and practices and again, having experience of being in bliss states and feeling all of this stuff, I... I feel like I can kind of relate to that myself. It was when when I kind of got some, even if it's just conceptual understanding, some kind of framework of like, oh, when I'm suffering, this is what's happening. When, you know, when I'm not suffering, when I feel connected to everything, here's kind of what's happening. That just helps so much. It's like it just gives us some kind of map or blueprint to, to help us make sense of things. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, there's such a big difference between just having some tools or knowledge about, I don't know, managing states of mind or managing stress. This has become kind of like a buzz topic yeah. versus really seeing what is your paradigm of understanding, because we all have it. We might not see what it is, but we all have it. And um, this reminds me of uh, of a study that um, I think I got this, uh, learned about this study, study by Dr. Aaron Turner. So Essentially, there were children in the room and there was sort of like a clown moving its head left and right, like uh, some sort of a repetitive movement. And then a candy bar would come out. So children would get a candy bar. So just they just left them there for like 10 minutes. Uh, don't quote me on this. I don't remember the exact study. But so later, the uh, the researchers came and all all the children were engaged in some sort of a repetitive action. So somebody was like jumping back and forth, uh, j- up and down. Somebody was running back, something repetitive. And the way they made sense of it was, so the children thought that they were being rewarded for whatever it is that they were doing. So they just decided to repeat on doing that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm even mentioning the study is that, well, first of all, that was not true, right? Like the the candy bar, as the study was uh, designed, was just coming out randomly. But just because they thought that they were being rewarded, they had that paradigm, the, 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 the behavior was based on that paradigm. 
So we all have this subtle paradigms of understanding. And we, in most of the cases, we're not even aware of it. We're always following that. So I, I think it's one of the greatest things anybody can do. Just really look within and see what, what, what is the paradigm that is currently guiding you. And I, I got it by kind of, I think, following the implications of like almost like reverse engineering. I, it's like whatever I was doing was not enough because in my mind, what, what I was feeling and was coming from where I was and how, how well I was doing. So the only choice I had was just change the world, change where I could live, change my partner, things like that. And I'm, like, I was lucky to do so much of it quickly to just come to this inside. Well, wait a minute. This is, if it's the same in this country and with this partner, it's most, there must be something with me. <laughs> yes. And just the the subtleties, like you've pointed to this several times in this conversation, whether it's a subtlety of feeling or just noticing, what am I believing in this moment? Or what's the, yeah, what's the paradigm that's leading the way right now? Like, oh, I'm believing I shouldn't feel this. And like, I think, I think it's very, very easy to just stay kind of high level conceptual with all this. And even with the principles and kind of like, oh yeah, you know, we're always feeling thinking and then just kind of, kind of just gets brushed away. But to really dive in and say, what's, no, what's the thought right now? To scan your body and say, what's the feeling right this minute? Where is it? Or what am I resisting? If we're suffering, we're resisting something. What am I clenching around or pushing away? And I don't even notice that I'm doing it. I just think that, I don't know, there's so much that can come from that. And I, I feel like that's a, we might've talked about this in your podcast. I feel like it's a, it's a very innocent, it's not, you know, no one has ever said, don't look at this stuff. But somewhere along the line, a mind hears. Like we kind of we kind of get that high around the principles or whatever it is we've learned that you talked about. And then we're like, oh, I don't have to analyze everything. And it's all just thought. And we kind of keep it as too conceptualized, you know, too high level. And somehow our mind says, oh, so don't worry about feeling that. Don't worry about looking that. And I've found in the past year, especially, no, it's just like go right in. If it's all safe and it's all thought and it's all feeling and and we're really okay look at this stuff be super curious about it pull it really close and examine it it's not going to hurt examining and and even analyzing these aren't dirty words like it's okay to do that especially with the understanding we have you know so there's something about getting right in there and i can yeah. hear that you do that in your own way you know of like okay what is this really I I try to, and I I, I kind of I've recently been re actually seeing that I'm uh, I haven't been doing that, and that's I in my it's a good side. Like one way of thinking about it, and I think I got this from Christine Heath or one of my podcast guests, and she said, "Well, look, wisdom can access memory, and mis- but memory cannot access wisdom, and that's that's interesting because in our memory, in our we clearly have concepts that we have created based." on maybe a truthful, helpful thought. And it was very relevant for that moment. The feeling that we had was very helpful in that moment. But that's in the past, that's memory. Uh, so I, I love the fact that actually wisdom is very in moment. Uh, and sometimes I compare, I think it's a good idea, generally speaking, to me- meditate a little bit on the difference between, let's call it transcendence and intellect. Like sometimes I compare it, like if you have a laptop connected to the internet and you have a laptop with a specific amount of memory and we keep on looking into the memory of that, like if the solution was there, wouldn't 
wouldn't we have already kind of found it? It's just for whatever reason, we think that if we think harder or do whatever it is that we do, we somehow it's just going to come up, but really no. And then, so it's just, as you said, if, if this isn't, it's good, it's an indicator. It's like red light in the car. Just like you, you have this elevators of consciousness, pause, sit on the elevator, go down, look at the subtle thoughts, see what it has to tell you. Because like mine had stuff to tell me recently and I haven't been listening to it. So it needed to keep on almost like raising its voice (laughs) (laughs) until I could hear it. Isn't it funny that that's actually part of our innate health as well? And I know you speak about this uh, quite a lot. And and I think in in mental health, in the field of personal development, we uh, I think we got so much buzz about positivity and positive feelings that I think we have we are either starting to lose this appreciation or maybe we didn't have this appreciation to begin with that all of it is actually designed to guide us back. And you're, you're one of the few people that I know that is doing such a wonderful job at really showcasing, like even how things such as OCD and ADHD are the mind's way of guiding us back. Yeah, it's amazing. And and so easy to see for other people, as you mentioned earlier, and so much harder for us to see for ourselves sometimes, especially when they're, when we're in that feeling. And that, again, like I, I love how you're pointing to this over and over, like that just highlights then, wow, this is, this is a deep belief. It's a conditioned belief. I shouldn't feel this way. Or if I know what I know or whatever, if I'm a coach or, you know, whatever our mind yeah. says about it, you shouldn't be feeling this way right now. And of course you should. You know, of course, we should always be feeling exactly how we're feeling. We just we just want to go into it and listen to what it has to say. And then it's going to show us, oh, here's what you're believing. Here's why you're feeling this way. I had a recent experience of that, too, where I just had a couple, fairly long period. I don't know if it was long, but a good chunk of time just feeling really um, no self present, like just incredible, like high levels of bliss consistently. And then it kind of faded away as it does sometimes. And and just to have, yes, like to see uh, the feeling that comes in on the other side of that and truly thinking, um, I know, I know this is okay. And I think I'm feeling it, but it, when it persists like that, it's like, no, what else is there here to see? And, and then just, I feel like I'm saying kind of what you've already said, but just like, oh yeah, there's an attachment here. I didn't see that attachment thought. I didn't see that attachment belief, but it really is going in and being willing to be curious at those subtle levels that kind of sometimes reveal that to us. It's beautiful. I love that. And I think they're indicators um, to this fact that we're not really meant to feel the same thing all over. We're, we we have freedom of thought, which means that we're going to be experiencing all kinds of things. I mean, there's uh, and like, um, for example, if you look at the structure of the universe, let's put it that way through physics. And now physicians speak about the unified field of consciousness. In fact, they actually quite many, quite many scientists argue that consciousness is all there is. So that formlessness level. Mm-hmm. And then what is that, the, the, the closest thing that they could track that right after that, what is it that takes form on a more subtle level? So they tried seeing the forms of that and they saw a rubber band, which is <laughs> kind of funny, like 
but so they see waves. So it seems like everything is a wave. It's just we're meant to be a wave. It's it's just, you're we're gonna get our high moments and low moments, and that's that's perfectly okay. So like for me, in terms of the coaching, I think originally because I was so like psyched, like, oh yeah, let me maximize the moments that I'm just on this state of mind and how do I milk it and turn into action and all of this. But now I'm actually seeing that even if you're looking for long-term success or creativity of any of that, it's just it's just so much more worthy to really pay attention to what's happening when you're in this low moment. Like, what are you actually doing? Like, how kind you are to yourself. Uh, are you prolonging that moment more than necessary? Uh, so a lot of it is actually getting out of our own ways and letting this um, wisdom, this intelligence uh, work for us and instead of just blocking it with innocently. So, so I'd love to hear um, a little bit about your practices because you mentioned that you've had long time practices, and I'm just curious. I'm sure it it might change and move around month by month or week by week or whatever. But um, like, what? Yeah, what has kind of stuck? What feels like for you just something you find yourself drawn back to? And did anything kind of fall away once you kind of saw about the principles? Was there anything where you're like, okay, for me, this one doesn't make sense so much anymore? That's a great question. Um, so, so one of the practices that I like and I've, that I've sustained using it is transcendental meditation. So TM, it's, I think a lot of people are familiar with it. It's, um, it's essentially a mantra meditation. It has been practiced for thousands of years and in many in it's designed to be an innocent effortless technique so you have this mantra which is actually it doesn't have a meaning it's just like a a sound that is nice for for the brain for the mind so the attention moves to it and then because innocently we we are always drawn to what feels greater and greater we just tap we just kind of dive into that level of awareness where we're already quiet and we're already okay so and there's a lot of academic research about it, so people can just check it out. So I had been practicing TM before encountering the principles, and I still practice it. I think what changed for me was uh, I stopped believing that, well, my well-being comes from, let's say, practicing it twice a day. So I think my practice became much more intuitive, like, oh, now I, I would really love to. I mean, how beautiful that I actually have this skill that I can just sit and uh, I'm just going to allow myself to be and something is it's effortless. It's designed. So that's what I love about it. I think it fits the in many ways like the it comes from the Vedic traditions. And I think a lot of pointers in that tradition are very much in parallel to what Sidney Banks has taught and what we share. Again, going back to this thing like truth is everywhere. If it is really true, you can really resonate. And, and I love doing that. I love speaking with somebody which is representing a completely different, I don't know, religion, analytical paradigm, and saying, oh, this is the same thing. Um, so, but it was very helpful to me because, I mean, I could have that experience, a certain level of that experience every day, but I think the principles taught me that, well, that's innate. I can have that. So I started having these experiences uh, as I would dance, as I would walk, and in innocently. So I still do it. I just, uh, when somebody gets a little too preachy and, uh, I, I'm starting to like, as we were speaking in the, in my, on my podcast, like the thought that my well being is dependent on this technique or the other, it's not, it doesn't feel good. Like you can already feel it. 
Yeah. And uh, that's another spiritual trap that I've been part of. <laughs> yeah. I love, though, what you're saying that the feelings that you get when you meditate sometimes, those feelings, I think, show up for us all through life. But if we think it's the meditation doing it, we won't even notice. So that's yeah. kind of what I heard what you just said, where it's like, no, you can be out walking or doing anything and have that feeling and be like, oh, there, there it is, you know? And, and I think, yeah, that's awesome to kind of just unhook feeling from any technique. And then, of course, do the techniques that feel good and make sense to you, but to have that disconnection a little bit. And actually, like, if you really dive into the origins of the techniques, when properly understood, the technique does refer to that which we're pointing to as well. Like, it doesn't, we're not, you're not, any meditation works. I think all meditations have something in common. So whether it's an attention on your body or breathing or a mantra, essentially, it's like an excuse for the monkey mind to stop being activated. And that's all we need. Like when we stop energizing that because of the the principle of mind, we could say like our thoughts are already inclined to be dissolved and the new ones are are just there waiting to come. So in a way, we're just getting out of, so we're not doing anything active. We're just getting out of our own way. And if that works for people, I think people should absolutely feel free to use that or recommend it. But again, there's there's that subtle line. It's just... Are we kind of replacing our addiction from other things with kind of addiction on uh, like a spiritual kind of addiction of this a spiritual ego? And and even the is the three principles understanding, like, as we said, we could have a concept about the three principles understanding and just decide to stick with that concept and that memory instead of being open to uh, fresh in moment wisdom. And we're going to lose the feeling. So it's the same thing. Yeah, and it and it's really kind of the same thing when you say what these practices do is just kind of guide us away from the monkey mind. I mean, it kind of comes full circle to what we were saying about any kind of adversity or your father and his friends helping people in the front lines or you, you know, talking with people who are in the middle of war, like it's like that's what's happening there too in a sense of, you know, it's like okay, there's n- there's no time for me right now. There's life here. So it is so cool to see like we can have so many different conversations about so many different topics, but it's really all the same topic. Yeah. It's really all the same thing we're always talking about and it just kind of comes in in all these different costumes. That's beautiful. It's funny I actually had that almost exact same thought because so you have your mantra which you're not supposed to share and at some point i had this thought that wait a minute like wherever i am this could be my mantra like you're you could be my mantra this conversation is my mantra like (laughs) at any moment there is endless amounts of mantras to choose yes the bird (laughs) is the mantra the worry in our mind could be the mantra i mean you know like and that that's awesome too because that's kind of full circle it's like no it's not about making this stop and doing all the stuff it's like where can we expand and open and allow and say yes to whatever wants to show up so isn't that fascinating like a ocd obsession could could be your mantra if you see it that way i think that's so powerful um and, and and again, Sydney Banks said, if the only thing people learned was not to be afraid of their experience, that alone would change the world. I'm just starting to see how powerful really that idea is. At the end of the day, it boils down to, because if you can really not be unafraid of your own feelings, then that's it. You're golden. You're invincible. You're already there. 
Thank you so much for this conversation. This is so good. Thank you so much. I mean, it's such an honor to be on your podcast. And and I've mentioned you've played a huge role in terms of me developing my practice or really diving into this understanding. And um, I appreciate that you share it from so many perspectives and so many people from walking from different walks of life can really relate to this. And that was one of my ideas with with Brand New Thought. I think I want people all over the world to be able to relate to this somehow and because this is not there's there's such a level of truth to this that it 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 can withstand any test it's not it's not for i don't know north americans or yeah. europeans <laughs> or rich people or this type of people it's just it, this is just the truth yeah it is but i think it takes people like you i love that you're sharing it where you are and everybody is in their own way but you're right i mean we just need to keep looking at this and pointing to the essence of it and then, and then we just all get to keep seeing exactly what you're saying. Like, oh, it's not for this issue or this population or anything. I mean, it's just something so true in it. So I'm, I'm really happy about the work that you're doing and especially where you are in the world and, and just with the different circumstances happening there, such an amazing opportunity for people to see this as a truth. People in the West and, you know, people all over the place to see, wow, this really holds up everywhere. Thank you so much. I I had the pleasure to learn from the best. So, <laughs> thank you. Well, I'll share your uh, links to your website, and I know you've done a TED Talk and your podcast, which is really great. And um, I'll share all that so uh, so people can find you. Beautiful. Bless you. If you're curious to see what could shift for you in just two weeks, please join me and my change coaches for a special two week course called Fourteen Days of Change. Each day for 14 days, you'll receive a short audio lesson that points you toward getting out of your own way. These 14 pointers are the essence of what I've seen to be most helpful to aid you in stepping into a brand new way of seeing who you are and how the world around you is your own projection. We'll also have four group coaching calls during the 14 days of change, one every few days so that you can ask questions and get as much personal support as you need. 14 days of change begins August 14th. Go to drammyjohnson.com slash 14 days to register.